Today, we'll be covering the different transportation options and the best ways to get around Walt Disney World during your magical vacation. Hello and welcome to the Let's Go to Disney podcast. I'm your host, Oliver. Today is Sunday, October 8th, and you're listening to Episode 5, How to Navigate Transportation at Walt Disney World. Before we get into today's main topic, here's what's going on in the parks right now. Disney shared some details for the Candlelight Processional returning to Epcot this year. The Candlelight Processional tells the story of Christmas with a celebrity narrator, along with a massive choir and a 50-piece orchestra. This will take place at the America Gardens Theater between November 24th and December 30th. Showtimes are 5.15, 7, and 8 p.m. There are also dining packages available at eight Epcot restaurants. The packages vary in price depending on where you choose to eat, and it includes a guaranteed seat per person for the show held on the same day. There are several new narrators this year, among returning favorites. New this year are Chrissy Metz, Louise Fonsi, Anne-Margaret, Brendan Fraser, Eva Longoria, Joey McIntyre, Sterling K. Brown, Jordan Fisher, and Audra McDonald. You can find the full list on the Disney World website, along with which dates they'll be in the park. The Santa greeting is also returning this year. The big man himself will be in the Odyssey Pavilion and will be available for meet and greets and photos daily from November 24th to December 24th between 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. There will also be storytellers representing the various diverse cultures around the world showcase who will highlight the differing holiday traditions of their respective countries. You'll also find the joyful ensemble performing holiday songs expressing the joy of Christmas and Kwanzaa at the World Showcase Plaza. Showtimes will be 1.15, 2.20, 3.25 and 4.30 p.m. The food booths for the Festival of the Holidays were also announced. You can find the details for the booths on the Disney World website. The Cookie Stroll is returning this year as well, and I'm very excited to complete that. Cookies and Christmas and Disney World? Yeah, I'm here for it. Disney announced an upcoming offer that will be available to book as of November 14th. This offer will be a special package for families looking to travel in the spring of 2024. Children aged 3 to 9 will have theme park tickets and dining plans at 50% off with the purchase of a non-discounted 4-night, four 4-day four Walt Disney World travel package. This includes a stay at select Disney Resort hotels for most nights between March 3rd and June 30th. You can find all the specific details under the Special Offers tab on the Disney World website. Journey of Water inspired by Moana will officially open on October 16th. Recently, annual pass holders and Disney Vacation Club members were getting previews. As of Friday, October 6th, Disney has been offering soft opening previews that will continue through October 15th, the day before the attraction officially opens. The attraction will be available select dates and times leading up to the 16th and will be available either through virtual queue or standby line and the standby line may not be available when the virtual queue is in use. If you find yourself in Walt Disney World right now, go check it out. Having said that, let's get into today's main topic. We'll get into some considerations when driving into Orlando or arriving from the Orlando airport, driving into the parks or resorts, the parking options and restrictions and the transportation options to get to the parks. We'll also talk about getting to Disney Springs and the more nitty gritty of transportation from resort to resort and the best ways to navigate your party around Disney World property. So first things first, driving. So if you're driving to Walt Disney World, whether you're coming from near or far, you're going to run into some toll roads at some point when making your way here. While there are no toll roads on Disney property itself, it is surrounded by them. So that's something you need to keep in mind. The toll roads around Disney World are on the SunPass system. You can get a SunPass and it could be worth it depending how long you'll be here and how often you visit. If you're renting a car, they will likely offer some form of service to pay for the toll roads. Make sure you read the fine print though, so that you're not being overcharged. 
There's also the visitor toll pass system, which is a temporary pass that will work on the toll roads in Florida. You can download the app, preload your information and simply pick it up at the Orlando airport kiosk when you pick up your rental. You drop it off when you leave and you'll be charged for the toll roads you pass during your trip. If you don't have a pass or you're not planning on getting one, then you should be prepared to pay for the tolls as you pass them. If you go on the sunpass.com website, you can see which roads have tolls and they have a calculator where you can actually go and map your route and it'll tell you how much it'll cost. That's a handy tool to have. In the end, it just comes down to being prepared. I like knowing what to expect ahead of time. So if you do a little preparation now, it'll likely save you a lot of frustration later. That's the quote unquote hard part of driving into Disney World. When you actually drive onto Disney World property, the signs are very self-explanatory and it's actually very easy and convenient to get around. The signs are massive and very descriptive and they give you general descriptions at first like Epcot Resort Area, Magic Kingdom Resort Area, and then get more specific as you get closer to your destination. The first time we drove around there, I was expecting it to be overwhelming, but everything is clearly marked and it's very straightforward to get around. If you are not driving and are not renting a car, and instead you're flying into Orlando, you have several options to get you to and from your resort. If you haven't been to Disney in a while and you still remember the Magical Express, that wonderful free shuttle that would take you to your resort, that no longer exists. From that service, Mears Connect was born. There was another very similar shuttle service named Sunshine Flyer that was around for a brief period after the pandemic closures. In August of this year, these two companies merged to form Mears Connect driven by Sunshine. This shuttle service picks you up at the Orlando airport and drops you off at your resort. The buses are pretty frequent and wait times are not too bad, especially since these two companies joined forces. The prices are pretty reasonable at 1760 one way and 3360 round trip for adults and 1430 one way and 2730 round trip for children. You can get the express service, which will make your stop the first to drop off and the last to pick up on return for $250 for up to four people. Any extra passengers will be $55 per person. There's some private car services that will usually be a little to a lot steeper in price, but can give you additional peace of mind. Make sure you do your due diligence to find a reputable company to transport your precious cargo. On that note, if you're staying in a club level room, you can book a minivan for airport pickup or drop off. It's $200 one way. Minivans are Disney's Lyft service. I'll go deeper into those in a bit. Aside from that, you can take a taxi or an Uber or Lyft. A taxi will be around $65 or so, give or take a few dollars, depending on where you're staying on property. Uber and Lyft are subject to surge pricing. I've seen it as low as mid-30s and as high as $80. If you don't need car seats or if you can travel with portable boosters if your kids are a little older, this is the best option in my opinion. When it's just my wife and I, we normally take an Uber. It's typically around 50 bucks and gets us straight to our resort within a half hour. It's really hard to beat that convenience. In short, there's lots of transportation options to the resorts from MCO. Again, you'll know what's best for you and your party. Once you are on Disney World property, if you're staying at a Disney World resort, you won't have to pay for parking at your resort. Also, if you decide to drive in the parks from your Disney resort, standard parking will also be free. If you are staying off property, you'll have to pay to park at the parks and the cost is $25 per day. The parking lots are physically right next to the parks everywhere except Magic Kingdom, meaning the parking lot is relatively close. You can do quite a bit of walking depending on where you're parked, but the parking lot is walkable. For Magic Kingdom parking, the parking lot is actually at the Transportation and Ticket Center, and you'll have to take the monorail or boat to Magic Kingdom from there. Also, if you're staying off property and are driving to a resort, 
If you want to park at a resort for a dining reservation, for example, you'll have to show your dining reservation to security at the gate of the resort. So for example, if you're coming to the Polynesian to dine at Ohana, you'll have to show your dining reservation before they let you park. It will be free, but that's something to keep in mind. Disney doesn't want guests coming in early in the morning, parking at the resorts and taking Disney transportation from the resorts. That would obviously become a problem very quickly and take away from the experience of the guests staying at the resorts. The parking at Disney Springs is complimentary, so you won't have to pay for standard parking at Disney Springs. With that said, there's no transportation to the parks from Disney Springs. So you can't park there and then take a bus to Magic Kingdom. There is no transportation whatsoever from Disney Springs to the parks. There is transportation to every Disney resort from Disney Springs, but that's certainly not the best use of your time to park at Disney Springs, to then take a bus to the resorts, and then take another bus or transportation option to the parks. If you're staying on property, there will be transportation to Disney Springs from any of the Disney resorts. So if you've never been to Disney World, or if you've only ever been to Disneyland and are coming for the first time, the scale of Disney World is actually quite staggering. It's the size of the city of San Francisco, and park hopping takes time and planning. It's not just walking a few minutes like the trek from Disneyland to California Adventure. It's really next level in terms of size. Having said that, let's break down the four main complementary Disney transportation options, which are buses, the monorail, the Skyliner, and water and boat transportation. Let's start with buses. They are by far the most common and widespread transportation option across property. You can pretty much grab a bus from any resort to the parks and vice versa, and the same can be said for Disney Springs. One thing I want to note though is that there's no bus transportation from resort to resort. So for example, you can't take a bus from the Polynesian to Coronado Springs or from All-Star Music to Contemporary. The logistics of that would be astronomical, so that's not a service that Disney offers. But that is something to keep in mind depending on your plans. The buses run regularly and are very reliable for the most part. You'll hear some people gripe about the buses, but I've been to Disney many, many times and my experience with the Disney bus transportation is overwhelmingly positive. The buses typically won't run from resorts to the parks and vice versa if there is another primary mode of transportation. For example, there won't be buses from the Contemporary to Magic Kingdom because it's connected by monorail, and there won't be buses from Epcot to Riviera because it's connected by Skyliner. Now, there is a caveat to that. The operation of the monorail and Skyliner can be affected by inclement weather. So if they are closed for whatever reason, Disney will dispatch buses to transport guests to and from the affected resorts. From the resorts, the buses to the different parks start running at different times, depending on when the park you're trying to get to opens. This also factors in the extra half hour of early entry because all Disney resorts qualify for that benefit. Usually, the first buses at the resorts arrive approximately 1 hour and 15 minutes or so before early theme park entry. So for example, if Magic Kingdom opens at 9 and early entry begins at 8.30, the first bus will be leaving your resort somewhere around 7.15. The bus stops at the resorts have screens which show you the different parks and when the next bus is expected to arrive. Also, if you have the My Disney Experience app and you have your room reservation linked, You'll be able to see the bus times under the resort hotel tab as well, which is a pretty handy feature so that you can time when you need to leave your room and head to the bus stop. Note, if your bus is early to the gates of the parks, you'll only be let off at a certain time. Again, for Magic Kingdom, that's typically an hour before early entry. So they'll hold you on the bus until 7.30 before you're able to go and queue at the touch points. If you're not so concerned about rope dropping and being near the front of the line, Note the buses will get busier and busier as the park opening times get close and won't taper off until mid-morning when most people are in the parks. Also, note that the buses from the parks to the resorts are scarcer first thing in the few hours of the day because people are headed to the parks versus back to their hotel or another resort. 
The bus stops at the parks are clearly marked. Each park has a large board that shows every Disney resort with a number. You find the corresponding bus station number that matches your resort and wait for the bus to come or run because it's currently at the stop. I've had that happen more times than I can count. Depending on the resort and time of day, some buses will be shared, meaning they will have more than one destination. I don't just mean the resorts with multiple stops like Caribbean Beach Resort, but even resorts like Polynesian and Grand Floridian will also have joint buses. The buses will run continuously all day until about an hour after the park closes, but they won't leave anyone stranded. If there's a large queue for a bus that fills up and not everyone got on, they will send another bus for the remaining guests. Another thing to be mindful of for the parks, there are no screens and no feature on the My Disney Experience app that will tell you when the next bus will come. During peak times, they'll come every 20 minutes and probably even less, but off peak times, you may be waiting a little longer. There are park-to-park buses, but only when park hopping starts at 2 p.m., meaning there won't be buses from Hollywood Studios to Magic Kingdom at 11 a.m., but they will start running closer to 2 p.m. for the park hoppers. Like I said before, you can't take a bus from resort to resort, but you can take a bus to a park and then a bus from that park to the resort you're trying to get to. So for example, if you're at Coronado Springs and you're trying to get to Animal Kingdom Lodge, you can take a bus to Animal Kingdom and then take another bus to Animal Kingdom Lodge. This has the potential to take up a lot of time, so be mindful of that. There are more direct ways to get there, but not with free Disney transportation. I'll touch more on that a little later. Next up, we have the monorail. So the monorail is a phenomenal mode of transportation, and if you're staying at one of the monorail resorts, it's a huge benefit in my opinion. So the monorail has three lines. The resort line, which connects the three resorts that are on the resort monorail loop, as well as the Transportation and Ticket Center, or TTC for short, and Magic Kingdom. These three resorts are the Contemporary, the Polynesian, and the Grand Floridian. The Express line runs direct between the TTC and Magic Kingdom. And lastly, the Epcot line connects the TTC to Epcot. There is some discrepancy in Disney's stated runtimes for the monorail and the actual experience you'll have when taking the monorail first thing in the morning. The Disney website says the resort monorail and express monorail begin operating 30 minutes prior to Magic Kingdom opening until an hour after park closes. And same for Epcot, 30 minutes before park open and two hours after park closes. In reality, the resort monorail, as well as the Express and Epcot line, will start just over an hour before early theme park entry. So if early entry is 8.30, the first monorails will run before that and actually loop all the way around and not stop at Magic Kingdom. The last monorail to leave the resorts and arrive to Magic Kingdom as close to 7.30 as possible will be the first to let guests off. I know that sounds complicated, but in practice, all this means is if you're taking the monorail and you want to be the first to be let off to queue at the touch points... Ask the cast members at the monorail station, at whatever resort you're staying at, which monorail will be the first to let out. That's the one you want to jump on. So if you're looking to get on that first monorail, I recommend being at your resort station or the Express or Epcot line one hour and 15 minutes or so before early entry. The first time I experienced this, I was a little confused and not sure what to expect. But once you've done it, it's super simple and easy to do. Aside from this little quirk, it's still my favorite mode of transportation on property. After that, the monorails will continue running continuously throughout the day until after the park closes. One thing to note about the monorail is that it does sometimes malfunction and that can cause extended delays. Also, if the weather is really bad with high winds, the monorail can shut down until weather improves. Again, if that happens, Disney will dispatch buses to the affected resorts. So in terms of getting around to do different things, obviously if you have park hopper tickets, you can use the monorail to hop to and from Magic Kingdom and Epcot after 2 p.m. of course. You can also use it to get either to the Epcot area or the Magic Kingdom area, even if you're not heading to the parks. Let's say you started your day at Epcot 
and you have a dining reservation at California Grill around 8 o'clock. Well, you can take the monorail to TTC and then to the Contemporary to make your reservation and not have to worry about any other mode of transportation. Also, you can combine it with other transportation options as well. For example, say you started your day at Magic Kingdom and you hop to Epcot in the afternoon and you have a dining reservation at Topolino's Terrace at the Riviera. You can take the Skyliner from Epcot's International Gateway entrance, then head to the Riviera for your reservation. Really? That's the best way to get around completely free, is to take advantage of all the different transportation options that Disney offers. When we go, we don't rent a car, we rely solely on Disney transportation, and for me, that's how I know I'm on vacation. I don't have to worry about driving or trying to remember where I parked, I can fully immerse myself in the Disney bubble. Next up, we have water transportation. There's lots of water around property, so there's actually quite a bit of water transportation available around the resorts Magic Kingdom and Disney Springs. Way more than I thought when I first started going to Disney. So for water transportation, there's friendship boats, water taxis, and ferries. All of these options are still complimentary and are free to you as a guest, even if you're not staying on property. You can take boats and water taxis from Wilderness Lodge, Fort Wilderness Resort, the Grand Floridian, and the Polynesian. There's also boats and water taxis that connect Disney Springs to Port Orleans Riverside, Port Orleans French Quarter, Old Key West, and Saratoga Springs. These are heavily impacted by weather, so it's worth checking with the cast members at your resort to see if they're running. Of note, boat transportation that was missing since the pandemic was the boat between Wilderness Lodge and Fort Wilderness. That service just returned on October 1st. It only starts running after 3pm though. It doesn't run all day, so be mindful of that if you intend to use that route. The Friendship Boats are over in the Epcot area, and they run from Boardwalk Inn, Yacht and Beach Club, and the Swan and Dolphin Hotels. They run between these resorts and Hollywood Studios and Epcot. All of these boats typically run every 20 minutes or so. And last but certainly not least for boat transportation, there's the ferry boats that travel from the TTC and Magic Kingdom. These typically run about 45 minutes before park open and one hour and a half after park closes. These are large ferries that can fit approximately 600 guests at a time. The thing about boat transportation is that it's not the most reliable when it comes to weather, but I will say that it's very enjoyable. If you're not in a rush, taking a boat around property is really nice. And there's something pretty magical about arriving to the Magic Kingdom by boat. I do quite enjoy that experience. Next up, we have the Skyliner. So the Skyliner is relatively new. It opened in September of 2019 at Walt Disney World. It's essentially a gondola system that transports guests from certain resorts to Epcot and Hollywood Studios. If you've ever been in a gondola on a larger ski resort, it's exactly what you're picturing in your mind. It was a hugely welcome addition in terms of transportation options, and it connects Hollywood Studios to Epcot in yet another way, which is great. It was also a big redeeming quality for the Riviera. Being a deluxe resort, it's not super close to the parks, but it's right on the Skyliner route. So like I said, the Skyliner connects two parks, Hollywood Studios and Epcot, as well as Pop Century, Art of Animation, Caribbean Beach Resort, and Riviera. The Hollywood Studios station is right at the front of the park, you can't miss it. The Epcot station is at the International Gateway entrance. Riviera station is right beside the resort, and same for Caribbean Beach. But it is a large resort, so depending on where you're staying on property, it could be quite a trek to get there. And Pop Century and Art of Animation share a station on Hourglass Lake between the two resorts. There are three lines on the Skyliner. The line between Pop Century and Art of Animation to Caribbean Beach, the line between Caribbean Beach and Hollywood Studios, and the line between Caribbean Beach and Epcot, which has a rolling stop at the Riviera. You don't have to transfer here, but you can hop on or off from there. So as you can see, the main hub is a Caribbean Beach station. So for example, if you're traveling from Hollywood Studios to Epcot, you'll hop on the Skyliner to Caribbean Beach. There you'll get off and transfer to the Epcot line. Don't be alarmed, it's very clearly marked, 
and so easy to navigate. And if all else fails, there are cast members there to help guide you to where you want to go. First time we used it, we weren't sure what to expect, but it skyrocketed near the top of my list of favorite transportation options because it is really convenient and easy to use. It doesn't take too long to get anywhere. It's pretty quick and pretty much any combination of travel is around 15 minutes or so. Less if your destination is closer and more if you're traveling between the two furthest points like Arnhem Animation to Epcot. Now you do have to add wait times to get on the Skyliner itself. What I mean by that is that off-peak times, it's pretty much walk-on, but during busy times like first thing in the morning or after park closes, there can be some pretty long lineups to get on the Skyliner. Also, there is a bit of a delay if you want to transfer as well. When switching lines, there may be a bit of a wait to get on the second line. Again, during the busier times of the day, the Skyliner will be busy, like anything else at Disney. You can use the Skyliners to travel to the resorts for visits or dining reservations as well. So for example, if you were at Epcot and had a late breakfast at Topolino's, you would hop on the Skyliner, head to the resort for your reservation. From there, you can head back to the parks or wherever your plans take you from there. In terms of timing to get to rope drop or to be the very first at the parks when using the Skyliner, you want to aim to be at the station between 90 minutes to 75 minutes before early entry, depending on if you have to transfer along the way. People will start to line up, so you want to be at the front of the pack to get on the first few gondolas. You need to get there early. The Skyliner will start operating approximately one hour before early entry begins. One thing to note about the Skyliner is that it does sometimes close down for inclement weather, so that's something to keep in mind. If the weather takes a turn for the worse, the Skyliner may not be running. Now, just like the monorail resorts, if the Skyliner is not running, for whatever reason, Disney will dispatch buses for the guests of the affected resorts. I just want to mention quickly, if you're driving, you should aim to be at the parks around 75 minutes or so before early entry so you can queue up with the other guests starting to arrive by bus, boat, monorail, and Skyliner. You can typically go through security and start queuing at the touch points around an hour before early entry. If you're going to Magic Kingdom, it's the same thing, but again, you know you're taking the monorail or boat. If you're walking to Magic Kingdom from the Magic Kingdom resorts or to Hollywood Studios or Epcot from the Epcot area resorts, same thing as driving. Aim to be at the parks around 70 minutes or so before opening. Security will hold you until you can go through and queue at the touch points. With all that said, as you can see, there's no shortage of free transportation options offered by Disney. And again, don't think you have to stay on property to be using these forms of transportation. Anybody can use these transportation methods. Now, I want to touch quickly on the rideshare services or Uber and Lyft. If you didn't drive and don't want to take Disney transportation, or maybe you're pressed for time trying to make it to a dining reservation, you do have the option to take a rideshare service. So for the parks, each park has a dedicated rideshare service drop-off point. Note that for Magic Kingdom, it's at the TTC and not at the gates, so you will have to take the monorail or boat from there. For the resorts, you will have to show that you're staying at the resort or have a dining reservation, so just be ready to show that to security at the gate of the resort. But that's definitely an option. I'll give you an example. Say you're in Epcot and you lost track of time or you got stuck on a ride or a queue for a ride took longer than you expected and now you're not sure if you'll make it in time for your dining reservation. Say Sanaa at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Well, guess what? You can take a rideshare service straight from Epcot to Animal Kingdom Lodge and not have to worry if the buses will get you there in time. Generally speaking, it's not too expensive to get between two points on property with the standard Uber or Lyft. My wife and I have done this on plenty of occasions to get us out of tight timing, and we've had great success. In terms of rideshare, you also have minivans. So these minivans are operated by Disney cast members, and they work with the Lyft app. 
So from the Lyft app, when you're booking a ride in Disney World, you'll see an option for minivan as well as the standard options. It'll be more expensive than your standard ride, but you get peace of mind having a cast member. Plus, every minivan is equipped with car seats and the cast members are very knowledgeable and flexible in installing these as required, if you've got your littles with you. Because these are cast members, they can drop you off directly at the gates to Magic Kingdom and not at TTC, and they have preferred drop-off points at the parks in Disney Springs, so that's definitely a plus. If this is worth it to you, it's definitely an option. I'll let you in on how we use this. To put it simply, when it's just my wife and I, we wouldn't splurge for it. It's hard to justify the extra costs, but when we have our kids, we do it every time. I should mention that the minivans are super cute. They're red all over with white polka dots as a not-so-subtle nod to Minnie Mouse, so that's definitely a comfort for us when we have our kids and are pressed for time. So as you can see, there's a ton of ways to get around Walt Disney World property. The more you know going in, the easier it will be to navigate when you're actually there. Hopefully this gave you a good overview of your different transportation options, and now you'll be in a better position to navigate you and your party around property. With that said, thank you so much for joining me today to talk Disney transportation. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. I would also love it if you could take a moment to rate and review the show. This helps us reach more listeners, and I love the feedback. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for much more magical content. The link tree in the show notes will take you to all our socials. Have a great day, and we'll see you real soon. Thank you.